Welcome to True Health Live. We explore and acknowledge basic truths in public health. If you're a student or a public health professional or just plain curious about public health in general, then this is the place for you. Join us. Um, we've been having the conversations about um, food and what we eat and like disease and, and, and things. And we have the conversation about vaccines and comorbidities. Like we've, we've kind of run the gamut on a lot of things. And so a big piece of information or not information, I'm sorry, a, a big part of what's happening right now. I don't want to say the emergence of telehealth because the re- reality is it's not very new, you know, um, a lot of these platforms, you know, that are being used with the, um, uh, you know, evolution of technology, there are things that are changing, right? But the actual concept of telehealth is not new. And you and I were talking about this before. It's like, you know, telehealth, you know, telehealth is like telephonic communications. It's that, you know, just talking to the doctor on the phone. That's a form of it, you know, when they're calling in, quote unquote, prescriptions. So, with that, I wanted to, um, because there are two terms that like kind of get entered, like used interchangeably, and which I guess is fine, but you know, this is getting to the core of the things. So I want to, you know, kind of go into what is telehealth and what is telemedicine. So um, telemedicine is basically like it's it's more of the broader definition. It's the practice of using the technology to deliver like uh, services and um, instruction, I guess, from your clinician, like uh, from afar, like remotely, Um, you know, so you can, you know, your doctor can be in one location and you can be in another and you can still have that visit, right? And telehealth is actually referring to like the electronic communications and the technologies of those platforms used to actually deliver telemedicine or, you know, Mm -hmm. deliver those services. And so, and those services are similar to, of course, not surgery. You know, you got to be in person for things like that, but things that don't necessarily need to be in person. So even like your follow-up visits, consultations, um, you know, calling in uh, pharmaceutical uh, um, prescriptions and things like that. There are a varied number of services that can be delivered, um, electronically through telehealth or telemedicine but yes they are used interchangeably so you know they are they do have you know different definitions but if you whether you use telehealth or telemedicine you know people are going to know what you're saying so you know I like to just open with like well what is it you know <laughs> like what is the thing yeah and I think some of the, the the ways right I think you touched on you know telephonic being the earliest you know, idea around telemedicine. Um, But when you think about the video conferencing and just how we use the internet now, um, so also like streaming images. So, you know, you go to the lab for for lab work and then they, they send those results. I mean, if you think about 10, 15 years ago, you had to go pick up your labs. You know, I remember my grandmother having these big x-ray thingies in a white envelope and she had yeah. to bring them to her physician. The advent of those technologies are also is also 
under the umbrella of telehealth, telemedicine. Mm-hmm. So the way the way information is transferred. And all of these things have been in, in existence. Um, so when we're talking about telehealth or telemedicine, um, and in my in my in my case, you know, telepsych or telebehavior health, um, it it isn't something brand new. Um, but it is it is evolving really rapidly, particularly with the advent of the um, the shutdown that the that the COVID pandemic you know required us to go into. Um, so with that, you had a lot more uh, video sessions or even telephonic sessions, particularly in the mental health arena. You know, the priority was calling in and checking in to make sure that you can you can hear. <laughs> that your that your clients are are well and that there you know you can maybe get them onto an iPhone or some sort of video chat in order to to see them to see their their state of wellness and also you know it has its benefits because mm-hmm. you get to see their home environment which most clinicians do not have that opportunity, you know, you're coming into a clinic, you're going into your doctor's office, and sometimes the state of your unwellness um, is rooted in your home. And so seeing, especially with mental health, seeing the state of one's home can give a sense of how organized or disorganized um, one may be in a given in a given moment. So yeah, I'm glad we're going to talk about tele-everything. <laughs> yeah, like, Another thing that came to mind was like I've been like doing a lot of like uh, webinars and con- not not necessarily always speaking at them but attending them because you know especially like being at home like where the you know the kind of conversation and banter I guess you get from physically being in the workplace or constantly like interacting whether it be with colleagues that actually work for your same organization or people that are in your circle you know you you at least I, this is my experience, like I'm forced to um, do things that keep me updated, right? And abreast of what's happening. And I was so, so I say that to say, like, I've, you know, I've been doing like a lot of webinars, you know, but that's what people have been doing. Like, you know, the webinars have already been around, but like, I find myself actually actively searching them out more. And I was listening to this um, talk and they, they were talking about telemedicine right? Or telehealth. And a big thing that we have always, um, something that's been running, and I guess when you're talking about public health, especially with a lot, with predominantly women of color, um, melanated women, the idea of health equity is always going to be like interwoven, right? Throughout our conversation. And so this was, uh, this particular kind of presentation was talking about telehealth inequities. And I was like, oh, there it is, right? Because So like when we, it made me kind of think like when we think about how people access care, whether they can or can't, and we know that a a big part of uh, health inequities, even I would say racial health inequities um, is because people don't have access, you know, sometimes that's physical access, like they don't have the means to actually get to the doctor. A lot of things are always like centralized in a hub, but maybe I, and, and maybe the city or something, but maybe I live in this rural area or suburban area and I can't necessarily get there. Maybe I do live in a city, but I live in a part where the mass transit doesn't necessarily reach that far. And so it takes more for me to like come in, you know, and this is that we can go into a whole thing about that because this is why I'm an advocate for community health, right? 
Um, but we'll get into that later. So like, you know, access is a big thing. Another big thing is, of course, we always talk about specifically with um, melanin rich or African-Americans is the, the mistrust or distrust of the healthcare system. So then we think of like telehealth, it's like, well, how does that translate? If people, I think on average, <clears throat> people probably, and this is everyone, goes to the doctor maybe like four times out of the year. And, it, and so we know when it comes to melanin rich people, because of this, those, those, those access issues, mistrust and everything else, we're probably accessing way less than that. So now that things have moved to this digital setting, how much are people accessing now? You know, because then we, we talked about like even having access to internet at home, you know, we can't assume that everybody has that. So if now we're moving to this digital form of health are we really taking into account that people have the means to access the digital? I mean, we could say like, well, most people have a smartphone now, you know, but a lot of places have free Wi-Fi, you know? So do you have Wi-Fi in your home? Do you have an iPad? Do you have a smartphone? Like, you know, do you have what's going to be able to get you um, situated to have a, a visit with your doctor at home? Not just that, someone, um, one of the presenters on this talk actually brought up the idea because they, they did a study and this was in Boston um, because it had to do with like Boston Medical Center. So this was their study and I'm not going to go into it too much. Like maybe I'll, you know, on the YouTube channel, I'll drop it like in the link if it's, if it's been published, but you know, they were talking about how, what they found, you know, another thing that is when you're having these telehealth visits, everybody's home, right? Even a doctor. So people may be less inclined if they see like your family members, if you're the doctor and you're having these consults at home and they see a family member walk by, they may be less inclined to share. And I was like, you know what, you're right. Because how many staff meetings, you know, before I was like, you know, am I being rude, like not going on camera? How many staff meetings? And this is just staff meetings. Am I attending where I'm like, all you see is a name digitally, like across the like, you know, and I had to like start actively like turning on my camera to do that. But even still, I'm like, I have to, I have a section in my home where it's like, this is what the background is going to be because, you know, I don't need them to see all the movement thing, you know, behind, because then it's like, what if we're having a conversation about budget and salaries? And, you know, even though this person does not work in our, you know, it's like, but people still kind of are you know, kind of iffy about like, you know, having certain conversations and and they can actively see something happening in your background. So that was like another thing, you know, like, you know, having these conversations about healthcare and we talk about HIPAA, right? And healthcare privacy, but you're having it at home and maybe like your spouse and children are like having breakfast in the background, like, you know, not necessarily in the same room, but like it's visible that you're not alone. So then are people going to really feel, you know, kind of that their, their, their health privacy is being like honored. And it's not to say that people are doing that, but this, this is just a real, um, you know, kind of like scenario. And like, you know, this is the, this is the reality that we live in. Like everybody's home now. And even though places have been opening back up and are, I guess gonna, I think like maybe by September, at least like here in the Northeast, like get to some semblance of normalcy, right? Of the air quotes, for those of you who can't see the stuff, like in by September. But like, I think most people have kind of transitioned to this remote working. And so this is going to be it because I think even with like going back into the office, people are going to have staggered um, entry. Yeah. 
So, like, we are in this area where we, oh, no, okay, or on Twitch to audio only. Oh, I can't. Anyway, um, um, we're in this um era where we're at home. So, you're most likely your clinician, your doctor is going to be at home, too. So, yeah, I just, you know, wanted to bring up, I was like, that's a really good point. Like, you know, number one, if you're not already using the doctor, um, in that way, why, yeah, we're going to see the same, if not more, you know, inequities in the telehealth. So, yeah, I just wanted to. Yeah, I think, you know, touched on a few things um, that we can kind of dig a little deeper into. One, the first one is just the level of internet access, right? Access to stable, um, a stable internet connection. Uh, but, and I guess I'll speak to my population in particular, the population that I currently serve, and that's the, um, the, this, this persistently mentally ill, the chronically mentally ill, that particular population, um, you know, oftentimes may have a cell phone, <clears throat> but it may not, you know, it may be through the, um, affordable care act, right? It may be a cell phone just so that they can have access in case of an emergency to, um, to call someone. Um, those phones don't necessarily support telehealth. Um, so getting that, getting access to smartphones, if you will, is, is one priority. I know in the past podcast, we've spoken to the, um, the geriatric population and just thinking about our, our elders, right. And the elders for our, you know, the folks that we work with, um, they may not be inclined to uh, participate in a, in a telehealth appointment. And so when things are shut down or if there is um, not an opportunity to physically get in, because as you pointed out, the doctors aren't there either. Um, how do they, that contributes to the healthcare disparities um, because while there may be some clinics open, they're, they're going to be, not the, they're not going to be the ones that are in densely populated portions of the community, right? They are probably not going to be the local clinic that is around the corner from, um, that that's around the corner. Let's just leave it right there. Um, and so because of that, are they going to get there? Are they going to get to their appointment? And you actually see this in action now. Um, a lot of primary care practitioners uh, even on the new on television, um, I see commercials. Even actually, not so much television. I don't watch too much, but even billboards saying, "Come in for your annual appointment. Check in on your, you know, diabetes and high blood pressure." Mm-hmm. Because what they're finding is folks aren't coming in to those clinics or to those hospitals or to their doctor appointments, and they also are not taking advantage of telehealth perhaps because they don't understand how the technology works. I remember my first tele, my first opportunity to use any sort of tele experience. I was dead set against it. I said, no way I'll drive, you know, I'll drive. It was an hour away. I said, I'll, I'll drive the hour. And the person had to say, no, I, you know, let's give this a try. Let's see how you like it. 
and and I'm you know and I'm in my forties and I was like no I need I need face to face I need human to human interaction for this transaction to go down only to recognize that you know using technology actually worked um, but I think that there are lots of barriers and we have to kind of be forward thinking about what those barriers are to um, to get around them yeah to yeah. work through them to make sure that folks do have appropriate access to healthcare because that is what it's about. That's the goal, you know? Yeah. And like one thing that the speaker pointed out was like, and and I thought about this. So I'm pulling, I have a few experiences. Like, so I'm, so I'm pulling from like my days in the hospital where I used to work. It was a major cancer center. And I remember being in clinic um, cause I, uh, I did like, you know, things that in, were in the ambulatory care setting. And then I switched over to research and especially like when you're doing research and there's informed consent, like hospitals, and you do know this, they use like teleservices for people who, uh, English is the second language or they need, they need to hear things in their own mother tongue because, you know, if you're consenting someone, it's just unethical to consent them in English if they really don't understand so we would use like the AT&T dialing service and I forget what the other one was. And, and a lot of times the doctors would use it to conduct their visits and you have the translator. So the other part of that um, is, um, you know, the telehealth, like, is there like a language um, piece like integrated into that? Like, you know, because people are doing like video calls, right? Like let's say it's a video call, like, are people, are physicians, or are they set up to do like the language services? So one thing that they brought up when they were talking about this study that they did is, is that it was actually more challenging to, to conduct visits with non-English speakers. And I'm like, so yeah, there are definitely barriers to it. Uh, I would also say like anything else, like it has to like have its growing pains while they kind of figure it out um, so they can do that. The unfortunate piece is that in the meantime, like how many people are going to get kind of skipped over because they can't access the this thing right to the fullest. Right. Or or maybe they're just not accessing it at all because there's still the mistrust. You know, there's also kind of like how you were talking like, no, I, I, no, I'm not doing it. You know, and it's like I'm like, because look how much pushback there was with like electronic medical records. And again, mm-hmm. like pulling from my experience working at this hospital, I'm like, it's the awesomest thing when you're on the, the working end of something and it's something that you use to be able to, in your mind, right. Make things better for the patient. You're like, it's awesome. But you're not thinking about necessarily the patient, their fears on their information getting out, right? And, and things like that. And the flip side to that is like, you know, and not to get off topic too much, but the flip side to that is like, there is some instances I'm like, I had to like, it's, it's almost like you feel like you have to beg for your information. It's like, it's mine. Like, so if I ask for it, I shouldn't have to jump through hoops, just give it to me. And so I can bring it to the next doctor. Because if I'm like the, the HIPAA is to protect me, not you. So it's like, so if I'm asking for it to bring it to someone else. There should be no question. But yeah, I don't want to like get off topic. We go back to the telehealth. But, you know, a lot of those things, you know, still kind of, you know, they're related. It's like, well, how how are we now? How are we using that? You know, how are we how are we using how how does HIPAA, you know, maintain 
um, coverage, I guess, when we're now in this new like digital setting. And I think, you know, those are real concerns that people have. Like I even have my own crazy, not crazy, but um, it, it wasn't like the HIPAA experience, but it was like the, I guess it would be like the access thing or maybe just confusion, which is weird because like I know how to use the phone and the internet, but I had a telehealth visit. And this was like when COVID was first. <laughs> and I was, they were like, yeah, we're going to do it over Zoom or whatever. And I was just like sitting, waiting, like they're not calling me. But then it was like, no, we're going to send you an email and you're going to do this. It was like all these steps to go through, like wait for the email and then log in and doctor. I had to end up having my visit with the nurse practitioner because, like, there was some miscommunication and it didn't even work out. And she was just like, okay, well, what do you want to talk to the doctor about? I'm like, you you, you told me to come back. What do you mean? Don't you know? So it's just like, there's yeah. those things. And this is the person who has all the gadgets to be able to do this. But, you know, there's, there was, like, the coordination, you know, yeah. with so. Yeah, I think the growing pains piece is is going to be a huge challenge, right? Um, so that example was part and parcel to the, you know, to support that it still isn't well coordinated, particularly with the advent of, of COVID, the pandemic, right? That we knew then we being right, the healthcare world, we knew that this was needed, but how, how do you do it? What platform do you use? Oh, iPad doesn't work. Oh, this, oh, this app doesn't work. Oh, shoot. Let's try that app. Oh, this one allowed you know, people to kind of Zoom bomb you, you know, you you had to get down to what sort of authentications should we do, right? So you spoke that with sending an email, sending a password, making sure you're the actual person for that appointment at that time. Those are all things that is like the evolution of the telehealth experience. Um, but I, I love that you touched on the idea of the electronic medical record, also known as an EMR, right? Because I'm just in us having this conversation, I'm recognizing the importance of a sharing why these things are valuable, why these things are, are, are an asset to the client, to the patient, to everyone listening and to us because we're patients. Right. Um, the electronic medical record allows for a better continuity of care. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what continuity of care is, I'll just share. It is how well one clinician communicates what's happening with you to another clinician. So that can be between your primary physician. And we spoke earlier about, you know, getting labs or getting blood, Mm -hmm. getting blood or an x-ray. So the fact that you don't physically or a courier service or the mail system doesn't literally have to deliver your labs, which could result in them being damaged or lost or, or delayed on um, the fact that technology then delivers that information much more rapidly and accurately benefits the continuity of the care that you receive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when we think about the electronic medical record, something that comes to mind that benefits us as patients is the idea that um, we're all humans and there are errors made and you may have a latex allergy. You may have um, an allergy to, to let's say, something. Um, but somehow it gets missed mm-hmm. somewhere in the spectrum. One nurse doesn't ask and one physician doesn't follow up with the, the secondary ask. And that gets left off. 
But when you have, when you're in an electronic medical record system and those systems are shared, mm-hmm. your alerts pop up at the very at top of the top. screen. We at know what your allergies are. We're confirming what your allergies are. We see what medications you're on. So we're not giving you a medication that actually has a contraindication based on what you're already taken, which is how we get medication errors. Mm-hmm. So us moving into technology, while there are always going to be challenges with, with, with healthcare, because we still don't know all that there is to know about the human body, right? right. We, we just don't know. So there's right. always going to be always new things. Learning, right. They're always, this is why doctors do what they call like, uh, clinicians, the continuing medical education credit, yeah. you know, because the, there's so many things that we're learning about the body and things that are changing because of the foods that we're eating. Yeah. And there are, you know, kind of new shifts and things that that are, you know, learned. Like I remember and I don't and correct me if I'm wrong. I remember growing up, I guess at that time, you know, you don't um, we don't you know, you don't when you're pregnant, you don't drink alcohol and then I remember hearing, you know, well, some doctors say like a glass of red wine one every now and then is one. good. And I was just like, well, what? alcohol is alcohol. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I'm confused. Like, don't, no, no alcohol. Wine is alcohol. You know, but red wine is good. And now we're back to like the no alcohol. And so there's, you know, there's mixed messages with what you should do. And it's also because like, you know, the body is also changing. I mean, I don't know how much like I can't. Personally, I'm like, no, alcohol is alcohol. There's, you know, the the effect is 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 the same, you know. But you know, just to make a point, like how things shift and they go back and forth, of you know, in those in those ways. Which is why we have to use our own judgment, right? I know. Yeah. And in an earlier podcast, um, we had some discussion about being informed making sure we are getting the information and comparing and contrasting. Um, And I know I personally speak a lot about, you know, elders and our grandparents. I think because that's a vulnerable population, period, right? They're vulnerable naturally. But I think in this environment and as as this reality evolves or devolves, more so vulnerable because, they're so accustomed to taking the word of the physician and the physician being the expert that it really takes the family members to um, and advocates to mm-hmm. make sure they have access to the appropriate information. Just mm-hmm. because the study says, yeah, now you can have a glass of wine. Should you really have a glass of wine? Right. You know, while pregnant, while invading life <laughs> in your room. Right. That may not be the best thing to do. It's like saying, well, you can go bungee jumping when you're pregnant, perhaps. But is that really the best thing for you to do at that time? Could you not defer that (laughs) for a few months? Right. It's like, I don't think you should be experimenting. So, yeah. Yeah. I want to just offer a few, like, tips um, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're going to consider a telehealth appointment for the first time, um, I know mm-hmm. we shared um, some cautionary tales and some, some insights, but just some concrete tips. You want to always have your, um, you want to know one, how to access the service, right? Yeah. You want to check your internet connection. 
Um, make sure you're, you're, you're charged, like whatever you're using is charged. And I know these are basic things, but these are the things in the moment that can make or break the, the, the success of your appointment. Um, Mm -hmm. you want to write your symptoms down, you know, sometimes when, even when we go into the doctor's office, we get flustered, we forget some of what we were feeling, experiencing. Um, so write your symptoms down. You also want to try to have um, the list of medications that you're that you're currently taking, and that includes any supplements. Um, I know I've touched on herbs, so I just want to say, even if you're taking particular herbs, you want to share that with your with your provider because sometimes there are there are um, contraindications, um, or one could impact the other. It's another way of putting that. So you. You know, those are just a few things like having a list of meds, writing down your symptoms, taking notes, taking notes, um, ask questions. Do not feel afraid to ask questions um, and even find out from your insurance company um, whether the how the telehealth appointment is covered for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, So those are just a few things because um, it's a new thing. Uh, and so you want to make sure that you're getting the, the most out of it. Uh, yeah, those are just a few, you know, a few things to consider as well. Yeah, I would even say like, you know, because we were touching on like the privacy issue. Right. So even for yourself, like something to add on to that, make sure you do carve out a space for yourself where you're not interrupted, because if you're in a home or a household where, you know, you have, especially because now after, you know, COVID living situations have changed. So, you know, some of us are like doubled and tripled up in households because maybe we got stuck or because, you know, people have lost jobs. So like living situations have definitely, definitely shifted. So if you're in a space where, you know, there's a lot of bodies in the home or could be distractions, make sure that you find a space or time, you know, that maintains your internet connection, but that you can have that space where you're not distracted so that, you know, when you're relaying all of the things that you wrote down, as Precious mentioned, you know, there's not the distraction for you or the person on the other line. You know, you want to make sure you have that quiet space as much as you can. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So with that, yeah, yeah, I'm like, I think that's what we're going to, you know, we're going to leave it at telehealth. For, that's what we're going to leave it at for now for the telehealth and the telemedicine. But we'll definitely have more to talk about as time goes on. Um, as I say always, you know, um, if you want to hear more topics, you know, please email us at True Health Live. So it's truehealthlive at gmail.com. You can also leave a comment um, on any one of the the podcasts that you share. The comments do come in, so I'll be able to see them and respond. Or you can visit the website, www.djasully.com, and then go to the podcast page, and you can leave a comment there. Um, So there's all sorts of spaces for us to kind of hear your feedback and and respond to some of what you're hearing and even request something that you want to know about. So and we're happy to even like do the research and read up if we have to and like kind of share it with everyone else. This is really for um, the everyday person and public health students as well. You know, you're hearing from people who are actually in the public health field, um, giving like our real time and real life experiences. (laughs) 
You know, as interesting and crazy as they may be, you know, like we're not drag races here, but there's there's some there's some things that go <laughs> in our individual places, you know, especially like you know coming from a world of advocacy. Uh, for me, like it's like you you know when I have to do community work, you know, there's conversations that had to be have to be had, and sometimes the reactions are. They're interesting, you know. So, like, this is the world of public health, and it's just, it, the job has to get done. Every there's a job for everybody, and it has to get done. Indeed, indeed. So, just thank you, thank you all for listening, and definitely pose those questions. I think the more we hear from you all um, and what you want to hear about, it'll help us um, have a more colorful conversation. Because, um, yeah, this is good. So, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us here at True Health Live. Remember to like, save, share, and subscribe. Leave a comment and send an email if there's a topic if you want to discuss. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at True Health Live. You can also listen on DeidreSully.com. If there's a topic you'd like to discuss or hear, you can send an email to TrueHealthLive at gmail.com. See you next time.